And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. High in the air. Brito back at the wall. Adios, Pelota! That's the type of manager that I'd like to be, which is the same every day. They know what they're going to get. They're going to get energy. They're going to get accountability. They're going to get structure, and they're going to get support. And I'm going to bring those things to the dugout in the clubhouse regularly. It takes hard work, uh, and it takes humility, taking one step forward at a time, making one good baseball move after another. And I really feel like that's how we're going to get where we hope and intend to go. You're listening to Bags and Brisby on Athletic Podcast Network. Welcome to episode 127 of the Bags and Brisby podcast. I am Grant Brisby. I am here with Andy Baggerly. And Andy, I had to switch up the trivia question. 127 career runs batted in for this Giants legend on the Giants. So while this baseball player was on the Giants. He had 127 uh, career runs batted in for the Giant, and yet he's still a San Francisco baseball legend. Who is it? Oh, gosh. Is this a trick question? Is it Madison Bumgarner? Ooh, you know, that would have been a good one. Um, But no, it is a San Francisco baseball legend. And I think the hint I'll give you is that it wasn't a San Francisco Giants baseball legend. Lefty O'Doul. You got it. You yes. got it. The man of the bridge, Lefty O'Doul. He didn't play for the Giants too long, just three years. But when he was there, um, he was he was very good. Very, very good. He's a fascinating person. I mean, oh. uh, so many different layers to his career. I mean, a great hitter, too. And he doesn't really get credit for it because he did so much of his work in the PCL. But then um, when I went to Japan uh, in 2019, I went to the Japanese Baseball Hall of Fame. He's all over it. I mean, he yeah. had a lot to do with um, uh, with bringing baseball to Japan and popularizing it. And this is pre World War II, you know. So then, obviously, the country started closing down and, and, and changing, um, uh, you know, as it became a little more militaristic. But but yeah, early on, he would bring all stars there. I mean, it was not a, a very easy trip to make from the U.S. to Japan back then, and, and he would get some of the game's biggest stars to go there and, and play and and and. Uh, and and really popularized baseball in Japan, and he's kind of seen as as um, Genesis type of figure there within the game. So that was kind of cool. Yeah, super interesting career. Like he said, most of his uh, good work was in the PCL, uh, but he did go to the majors when he was 31, and he hit 353 uh, for the next seven years. Like he was like a Hall of Fame talent in his 30s, which makes you think, well, he would have been a Hall of Fame talent in his 20s if he had played in the major leagues. Maybe Jason Vossler will be the next lefty O'Doul. Who knows? That is just an excellent segue. Excellent segue, because we are not here to talk about Lefty O'Doul, who invented the bridge um, outside of, of Oracle Park. We are here to talk about Giants baseball, and the Giants are winning. They're winning. They uh, they took three out of four against the Marlins. Uh, they atoned for that, that rough start uh, in the Miami series, and they look pretty darn good. Yeah, I mean, it's it's tough to win three out of four, and even uh, against an opponent that's, you know, frankly, not very good. And the Marlins' offense is really not very good right now. And I think that they kind of showed you. They, they, they faced uh, Logan Webb, who really didn't know where the ball was going half the time and wasn't throwing first-pitch strikes. And yet, 
Logan Webb uh, ends up uh, throwing seven shutout innings. And and um, I think that a lot of that had to do with the fact that the Marlins were just not recognizing that he was missing spots and they kept uh, they kept uh, expanding the zone. And, and, and now the Rockies come into town and we know that they ha- always have trouble hitting in San Francisco. And the Giants are, you know, this is a soft portion of the schedule to start the year. And, and uh, uh, you have to kind of qualify their record by saying, you know, this is the context. These are the teams that they're beating. But it tells you that they're good enough to beat these teams consistently. And so I think uh, they're kind of raising the floor about what this Giants team can be. They're looking like they're, hey, you know what? It's a long way to go. But I think right now, if you had to guess, are they going to finish above or below 500? You'd probably say, hey, this looks like an above 500 team. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. I mean, again, it's it's a really tricky road to the postseason in, uh, in the National League, when especially when you have the Padres and the Dodgers in that division. You figure one of them is going to be the wild card. I mean, nothing's ever guaranteed. But then if one of them's going to be the wild card, then you have to wonder, well, you know, who who else? There's one more spot. And then you got the, the Mets, the Braves. Uh, you've got all the teams in the Central. It's going to be a tricky slog to actually make the postseason. But you're right. Win more games than they lose. Yeah, they just might do that. Yeah. And you start thinking, well, gosh, the Padres just lost Fernando Tatis Jr. for who knows how long. They've had some pitching injuries. Denelson Lamette comes back. He throws like an inning and he goes right uh, back on the injured list. Uh, you know, it's are the Padres just going to run into too many bumps in the road? But then Tatis comes back and he basically goes nuts against the Dodgers. And, and, and every game between the Padres and Dodgers has been just so much fun to watch. Um, but hey, here are the Giants. They're like, hey, you know, look at us. We're over here. We're still in second place. And it, <laughs> it does make me kind of wonder if you're a Giants fan, is there any temptation when you're watching Dodgers Padres to just be like, because really you just hope one team just beats the stuffing out of the other team. I mean, the ideal scenario is that one team goes 19 and 0 against the other team. So do you root for the Dodgers because the Padres look like they might not be as strong a team? I, I don't know. I think that would be very, very hard for Giants fans to do. But I mean, I guess, uh, you know, kind of clinically speaking, it, it probably is the smartest thing for the Dodgers just to beat the crap out of the Padres. That is probably true. It, it's like a it, it's like a philosophical question. It's an ethical question. You know, do can you root for the Dodgers against the any team, much less uh, the, the Padres? I I don't know, but I think that there is something there. I think that there is a good point that the Giants are much likelier to catch the Padres in some theoretical contending season than they are to catch the Dodgers. I I think the Dodgers are still the juggernaut until further notice, until someone beats them more often than not. Don't worry about the Dodgers and maybe worry about the Padres. Yeah, so maybe if you're a Giants fan, you know, quietly root for the Dodgers to beat the Padres and then, I don't know, go light a candle or... or you know, pray the rosary or, or do something to, to get your penance, I guess. Now, the Giants winning is a little strange because they're not hitting. So how do you look at this? Do the Giants start hitting and then win even more? Do the Giants stop pitching and then start hitting a little bit more and then everything evens out? I mean, should you be excited that the Giants are winning without hitting a lot? It's a fascinating uh, combination, I think. Yeah, I read your recap after, was it Saturday's game, I believe, was the one that they lost to the Marlins and the offense just wasn't going. And I thought you kind of made the point rather well. And the point being, there really is no point. We don't know. What do we make of this? Is is this team going to hit? We don't really know. And I think that if you go off last season's track record, which is not a long track record, but you know, it was a decent sample. That's where a lot of your optimism comes from. You look at how they can match up in their depth. That's where a lot of the optimism comes from. Well, you don't want to test that depth a month into the season. And right now they are really banged up. I mean, Donovan Solano's on the injured list and he may be out, you know, several weeks. Evan Longoria has been touch and go. He did make it to the on-deck circle as a pinch hitter. So that sort of 
tells you that he's pretty close. Uh, Brandon Crawford has been dealing with multiple injuries. You know, these are guys in their 30s. And now we got Mikey Stremski leaves with an oblique. We don't know his status yet, but it wouldn't be shocking if he goes on the injury list by the time you're listening to this. So yeah, if they are dealing with a lot of nagging injuries and they're testing that depth right away by you know having guys start that you ne- don't necessarily want to start, but are more plug-in people, then it's going to be even harder for this offense to get going. So, you know, I think that there's probably a little bit of pressure on someone like an Alex Dickerson, uh, who's really, really capable of carrying the offense when he gets hot, but he hasn't done that yet. Um, on a Brandon Belt, uh, some of these guys, um, and, and I think Yastrzemski was just starting to come around too. He really uh, was was uh, getting extra base hits. His at-bats were better, uh, still swinging and missing a fair amount, but, but looking like he was locking in a little bit and and now who knows uh, what his status will be so you know hard to get rolling as an offense when when you have a lot of injuries and that's that's kind of where they are right now they got to get healthier yeah I was surprised I looked up Mike Yastrzemski his first 10 games he had like a 400 OPS I mean he, he was lost absolutely lost his last 12 games he had an OPS closer to a thousand like he was on he was hitting doubles he was hitting homers he was doing Mike Yastrzemski things for more than half the season you think of his struggles as encompassing the, the whole season he's been hot in the last 12 games or so. Yeah, I even saw that you dived into the comments section of, of my story from Ooh. Sunday's game. <laughs> it's like, I, had I to. don't want to I don't want to wade into the comments. So Grant will do it for me. That's is this is wonderful. What a nice service he's providing. So. I don't know why I did that, but at the same time, I just was like, you know, it was more like a public service. Like, by the way, Mike Yastrzemski, like the loss is going to be an acute loss to the lineup because he's been hitting well recently. Yeah, and, and I, I joke, I think, uh, you know, Trent Rosecrans once told me, our, our Reds reporter, that he's going to have tattooed on on his uh, back of his hand, do not read the comments. So he just looks at it every time and reminds himself. But I will say that our comments section and people who contribute to our comments, our subscribers, it's much more civil and much more constructive. And, you know, every bridge is going to have trolls that live under it. Uh, I think the first comment on my story today was was saying, you know, hey, you know, don't compare the Giants to the A's, even though they have the same record. And I'm like, I'm pretty sure I didn't do that in the story other than... (laughs) I, they won, so I wrote that they won. Not sure what else you want. But, you know, for the most part, I, I do enjoy engaging with our comments because it, sometimes they'll, there are some really, really smart uh, um, points that are made in there. Some uh, a, a commenter made the point a few days ago, hey, what if they start playing Buster at first base? Uh, his, if his bat is showing that you don't want to take it out of the lineup and, and he's that kind of offensive player again, um, and they're kind of banged up, uh, you know, and, and you have a, a lefty on the mound, you want to give Belt a day off, maybe Will Wilmer could play a different position. And that's actually a really good point. I'm going to have to ask Gabe Kapler that. That is good. You know, before I worked for The Athletic, uh, I used to read the comments section. I would come to read one of your articles and then I'd go down. And I used to think like The Athletic had plants, like paid commenters or people who work for The Athletic because every comment was like, great article bags, you know, just tremendous stuff. This is why I subscribe. And I would read it and I'd be like, Gosh, dang it. Like, they, they can't all be that happy with the athletic. And, you know, now I'm over here and I think I think so. I think I think everyone's sort of happy with the 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 uh, quality of what we're providing. I mean, I'm not trying to toot our own horn, but I think it trickles down to happy comments. Yeah. Yeah. It's human nature, though, that you get 99 positive ones. And the one negative one is the one that you just sort of stew about. You know, <laughs> I mean, I, I try to I try to be disciplined and, and not not be that way. But um, but yeah, it's you know, it, it, it's nice to get positive reinforcement. And but mostly it's nice just to read, uh, you know, people who have some thoughtful opinions about things and, and even, you know, point out some things that you hadn't even thought about. And uh, that's the power of, of um, combined brain power. 
Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. We will get back to baseball. I just do want to make one more point. The comments under the power rankings, the Major League Baseball power rankings, I, you know, we all take turns now. Uh, I, I pair up with Levi and I do power rankings once a month. Those comments are awful. Never wade into the comments under a power ranking because the people who are commenting on power rankings are the people who are like, you idiot, the Giants are eight, they should be seventh. And it is the least constructive uh, comment section, maybe as a genre on the internet. So I don't know what you're talking about, actually. What are these power rankings? I am familiar with powers ranking. Oh, that's that's good. <laughs> yes, like attorneys <laughs> general. I, I forgot my own movement. Yes, powers ranking. We're ranking powers, dang it. Yep, pluralize that. Um, so yeah, these uh, set pieces are, you know, kind of, uh, they're busy work a little bit. I mean, you know, I, I all the good people who put a lot of thought and effort into it, I are, it's very well appreciated. But I mean, come on, ranking the teams in April is is kind of a pointless exercise. It's just something to to get people to land on and 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 comment on, obviously. And but here's the thing: if you think it's a waste of time to do powers ranking in April, then what kind of waste of time is it to comment on <laughs> on a powers ranking article you don't like? Um, you know, just read it and move on. I guess. Oh, we all have to get stuff off our chest. Okay, I'm going to pivot this back to the Giants offense because what I'm writing today. Uh, it fascinates me, and I don't want to be one of those uh, uh, analysts who's like, everything's luck. Ah, it's bad luck. It's good luck. I just, I, I hate that kind of analysis. And yet, you, there are statistics. They're called expected statistics, and it's sort of a new phenomenon. You can look at them on Baseball Savant, and you have something called batting average, which, you know, that's just batting average. But then you have expected batting average. And it takes, you know, the quality of the contact, uh, the launch angle. It's sort of telling you when you hit the ball like this, your batting average should be that. The Giants batting average as a team is 215. The expected batting average is 252. The weighted on base average for the Giants right now is 297, which it's not good at all. That is a terrible weighted on base average. Uh, the expected uh, weighted on base average is 331. So there are these expected statistics that are saying the Giants are hitting the ball better than you think. And I think the eye test sort of matches up with that. Yeah. And I really would be interested to see the, some of the biggest variations between um, a player's expected batting average and actual batting average. I, I would imagine this is just sort of me thinking out loud, but some of them might be players who are shifted on the most mm -hmm. uh, because I, I don't know how, how XBA would... Uh, calculate for how people get shifted on and how many hits get taken away by the shift. You know, if you have a guy who hits a line drive with the you know, exit velocity that's high and, and, and it should be a hit to right field, but the second baseman's playing out there, you know, then, then there's going to be a bigger differential. I also find it very helpful to look at the expected batting average when there's like, you know, a, a fly ball that drops in, um, you know, shallow right center. Well, I think, gosh, I, shouldn't the center fielder have made that play or, or, you know, uh, you, you sort of it's sort of a way to challenge 
what your takeaway is if you think that a play should have been made. And then you look up and you're like, oh, the expected batting average is like 116 on that ball. So yeah, that that's probably a play that should have been made. Yeah. And it wouldn't, it won't surprise you that the Giants, when you pull up the expected batting average uh, leaderboards, they have a, a, a column, there's batting average, expecting batting average, and then there's a column, uh, the difference. And you can rank them by the player whose expected batting average is much higher than the actual batting average, which is, you know, a, kind of like a, a rough way to, to check for bad luck. Then the Giants are all over the leaderboard. You have mm. uh, Alex Dickerson's expected batting average is 336. His batting average is 236. So there, that's a difference of 100 points. Uh, that might be due to the shift. Uh, Mauricio Dubon, not so much of a shift heavy defense employed against him, but his batting average is 150. His expected is 245. We've definitely seen that. And, and you know, uh, Kruk and Kipe have talked about it on the broadcast. He's a little bit snake bit right now. Yeah, there was even a ball. I forget who the runner was, but he had a, I think it might've been Wilmer Flores, but he, uh, Dubon hit a, hit a single to right field and Flores uh, was caught in between and didn't read it right. And he was forced out at second base. And that took a hit away for, for Mauricio <laughs> because it's a force out. And I thought, man, this guy even gets a hit to fall and it's not a hit. So, uh, but he definitely got a couple to fall in the Marlins series. And he's having, he's having better at bats and he's making good contact and uh, uh, making things happen. You know, got down a really nice bunt uh, to lead to a run Sunday. I like his game and I think he's growing and getting better as a player. And he continues to play good defense in center field. And how about Austin Slater's defense in center field? I mean, we thought that it was going to be a stretch to play there. He's looked really good at making plays going back, making plays coming in, um, showing off a really strong arm. Um, you know, we all talk so much about center field being a, a trouble spot for this team. And right now it doesn't seem to have stuck out at all as, as something that is looking like an issue on this club. And, and yeah, I, I think that Devon, as he continues to get, get uh, reps at short and in center, he, he, I think he's going to be a, a bigger and bigger part of this team. It, Slater's defense has surprised me. I mean, j- his overall game has surprised me. He's got, he has four steals. Uh, he hasn't been caught once. He's playing a, a fairly mean center field. Uh, you know, he's not going to win a gold glove, but if he can be an average defensive center fielder, that's that's huge because his bat, you know, he's generally just he, he's someone who's hit at every level he's played at. He has a career 343 on base percentage. He runs well. He's he's a he's a heady base runner. I just if you can get that guy out of a corner and into a center field spot, especially when Giants pitchers are striking out a quarter of the batters they face, it's a valuable player. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I agree. And, and you know, getting back to the expected batting average, I mean, the one thing that that doesn't take into account, obviously, is strikeouts. But the Giants are just barely over the league average uh, in strikeouts. Um, You know, this is not a team that's striking out a ton, probably more than we thought they would. Um, But it is pretty interesting just to to give you an idea of where teams are and how early in the season you shouldn't freak out. The Giants are hitting 215, right? So there are one, two, three, four, five, six teams in the major leagues that have a lower batting average. That includes the Atlanta Braves and the New York Yankees. So, you know, it, it's not like the Giants are the only team in baseball that's kind of underperforming offensively. Yeah, uh, the Yankees fans uh, aren't as patient as you might uh, no? expect. They are. Really? Uh, yeah, they're having a tough time with this. Mm. Well, they're out, they're out hitting the Tigers by a point. There, there's that. That's a positive. <laughs> <laughs> no, you know, the Giants, they aren't they aren't wildly hacking. I mean, when you go and you sort through um, swings at pitches outside of the strike zone, the Giants rank. They have the 
let's see, I'm, I'm sorting this the wrong way. They are eighth in baseball as far as swinging in pitches outside of the strike zone and an eighth in a good way. They're swinging at fewer pitches outside of the strike zone uh, than, than most teams in the National League, most teams in baseball. They are just, you know, they're taking a lot of pitches. They're they're trying to look for that that pitch, they're, the pitch they can do damage on. We've talked about that a lot. Uh, they do take a lot of pitches, but they're not wildly hacking at them. They're just looking for their pitch. Eighth in a good way. I think we should tack that on to every stat like that. You know, it's okay. They rank first in baseball, but first, not in a good way. Um, let's just tack that on. Yeah. Uh, as far as called strike percentage, uh, they have the third highest called strike percentage in baseball, which means, I don't know, maybe they're too passive. I don't know if that's what you're you're thinking. Maybe other pitchers are making good pitches. I wrote a whole article with that as the thesis, and I don't know how long we can just keep saying that, oh, the other team's making pitches, because at some point it has to even out. But the philosophy, they're, they're really sticking to that philosophy of swing at the strikes you know you can hit well. So where do they rank, I don't know if you have it in front of you, in pitches per plate appearance? Pitches per plate appearance, I don't have that in front of me. I would think it's pretty good. That is a good question. Uh, I think it, because just the the eyeball test seems like they're getting pitchers close to 100 pitches uh, by the fifth or sixth inning. It seems like that's happening more often than not. All right. So so you just soft shoot long enough for me to get it. Uh, pitches <laughs> pitches per plate appearance. The Giants lead the major leagues in pitches per plate appearances in a good way. Well, Four point. That? 4.14 pitches per plate appearance. Uh, that's uh, And the Yankees are second and the Tigers are third. So not necessarily the greatest company in terms of results here. We're talking about three of the, the lowest hitting uh, teams in the league. So I don't know. Maybe there's some sort of macro trend we can derive from this. But the team that's averaging the fewest pitches per plate appearances, your Colorado Rockies, 3.77. So I always felt that the worst offensive teams usually average the fewest pitches per plate appearance because there's not a whole lot of fear for an opposing pitcher. They just go right after every hitter because, you know, they're they're not really afraid of, of hard contact. So um, I don't know if that plays out over the long haul, but yeah, it's very interesting that the Giants are leading the major leagues in a good way in pitches uh, seen per plate appearance. And that, that leads to getting into a team's bullpens earlier. That leads to shorter starts. I mean, that that, do, that does sort of um, kind of, uh, I guess those are, that's a good harbinger for positive results. Where the heck did you find that so fast? Spill your secrets, Baggerly. Well, there's this site called baseball-reference.com. It's on there, um, huh? It's on there. You go to um, you go to the 2021 season, and then you go to batting, and then the tab is pitches batting, and then you can see everything right there. And then you hit the little arrow, and they'll order it for you from top to bottom. You can see first pitch uh, swinging percentage, uh, which the Braves have uh, are swinging at the first pitch more than any team in the majors. The Giants are way down the list at 27th or 8th, hmm. 26th, 26.5% of the time they're swinging at the first pitch. Yeah, there's all kinds of little fun stuff on this page. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Every statistic that we're bringing up, it just speaks to they have a fascinating approach and it's not necessarily working at the start of the 2021 season. I think it's it's translating to power, but it's it's a very unusual like I don't remember a team with this kind of profile. Uh, they have the fifth. 
fifth lowest swinging strike rate in baseball. You know what I mean? Like they're not missing a ton. They're still striking out a fair amount, but they're not striking out that much. It's a weird, fascinating profile. I don't think I've ever watched a team like this. Yeah. I mean, they are taking more strikes. That's something that that you found out. And, and that's probably part of their whole mindset, which is, look, if it's a good strike and it's a it's a ball that's it's a strike that's on the black and it's meant for you to hit a ground ball double play on, just take it, you know, and, and live to see another day and hit the one strike pitch or that even the two strike pitch. I mean, it's like they're not afraid of competing in counts or in situations where there's not a big track record for success. I mean, we see what what hitters hit with two strikes. It's abysmal, but they're not afraid to hit with two strikes. You see what pinch hitters average. Uh, it's like it's under 200. Pinch hitters just generally do not have success across the board. They're not afraid to lead the major leagues in a wide by a wide margin in number of pinch hitting plate appearances. And they're having success in those situations too. I mean, they've got like seven extra base hits off the bench this year. So um, it is kind of remarkable that, you know, you would think you'd want to avoid those situations because it's just like a pitcher facing a lineup the third time through. It's documented. You're going to not have as much success. So let's avoid those situations. Well, the Giants are kind of leaning into some of those situations a little bit. And I think that speaks to an interesting offensive philosophy. The Giants are hitting 215 as a team, but they also have a 391 slugging percentage. So it's almost as if the entire team is made up, uh, made up of Pedro Feliz. And like, that sounds like I'm making fun of them. But at the same time, like Pedro Feliz, if you had eight you know, nine Pedro Felizes, Pedro's Feliz, uh, in a lineup, that lineup's going to score runs every so often. Like it, it's, that wouldn't be the worst thing in the world. If you're shortstop, your second baseman, your catcher, or we're all Pedro's Feliz. Pedro's Feliz. Could you have at least one Nafi Perez, Nafi's Perez, maybe two of them? <laughs> I think that's a, I think Nafi is plural on its own. It's like cacti. Oh, you're right. Octopi, cacti, Nafi. Yep. You're right. My bad. <laughs> no, it's, it's a fascinating team. Uh, I'm really curious to see how they're going to you know, especially if by the time you're listening to this, Mike is on the on the IL or if he's just going to miss a few few days with his oblique. What how this depth is going to get tested, because you've got Solano on the IL, you have Crawford dinged up, you have Longoria dinged up uh, at some point. They're going to really have to lean on, you know, maybe someone like a Stephen Duggar. Maybe they'll call up Elliot Ramos. I don't know. But the depth is about to get tested. Boy, Elliot Ramos up in the big leagues would be that would be some appointment baseball, wouldn't it? That would yeah. be pretty exciting. Yeah, I don't think it's it's something that they want to happen. Uh, it's just like Joey Bart last year. They didn't want to bring him up, but it just made sense to bring him up because he wasn't going to play anywhere else. And they had a need at the position. But, you know, I think they've tried to put themselves in a position where they don't have to make moves because they have to make moves. When it comes to development decisions, they want it to be a development decision first and not a team need. And, you know, I think they obviously thought that Camilo Doval was ready. They, they trusted Gregory Santos, maybe a little too much in his last outing. But yeah, I think they'll bring up Ramos when he's ready. But, you know, right now, boy, he, he looks like a guy that could be up sooner rather than later if, if he forces the issue, which, you know, at the alternate site, it's hard to really judge. He's not going to be able to compile numbers like he could in, in the minor leagues, uh, which will start soon. But yeah, I, I really would be interested to be a fly on the wall when they talk about Elliot Ramos and just what his level of readiness might be. Yeah, no, I'm I'm very curious to know when that timetable is because it seems like with the missing uh the missing minor league season that 
we are like filling in the gaps in our own brain as if nothing happened last year. You know, a guy who was in a ball in 2019 in our brains, it's like he's still in a ball, but there was a, a year of development and it's just so hard for us to get a grip on it. But the giants are like, Oh yeah, well that's why Duvall's up. Basically he had a double a season last year. It was great. We watched it. We have the, the data on it. Uh, same with Santos. So with Ramos, you know, our brains are, are focused on him still being in Richmond playing for the flying squirrels, but you know, he kind of had a triple a season last year. So maybe now's the time. And if all the reports out of uh, the alternate site, when it comes to his offense, uh, his defense have been positive. I, I do believe so. Maybe now's the time. Yeah. I mean, we, we forget that Gregory Santos, you know, before he made his major league debut uh, last week, the last professional hitter he faced in a game that had an actual box score was probably someone on the Savannah bananas <laughs> in this, in the low a Sally league, you know, which, I mean, we should talk about the Savannah bananas on every podcast, I think, but, um, <laughs> but yeah, it's, it's, uh, you know, he, he came out and he was, he was locating his slider and, and over, over amped with his fastball a little bit, but it was so much, uh, velocity that it played. I, I do, we have a little time left and I, I want to get your take on this because there was one thing that kind of flew under the radar a little bit and yeah, the Giants won three of four, but they could have easily swept that series, uh, against the Marlins. And there was a little weird bullpenning that happened. And we saw them with a four-run lead uh, through um, Gabe Kapler through Tyler Rogers and Jake McGee when probably what it wasn't super necessary. And then the next day, uh, he didn't use either of them and put Gregory Santos in and, uh, and boom goes the dynamite. So I, I just thought that was really kind of strange. And I understand it was a one run game when he was warming up Tyler Rogers and you don't want to warm a guy up and then sit him down. But I, I still, I can't really understand why he used McGee that day. And then he stayed away from McGee the next two days. So I asked him if McGee was dealing with anything physically. And he just said that, you know, he wanted to keep him as health and healthy and fresh for the rest of the season as possible. So there may be something going on there. I don't know, but I just thought it was kind of strange. What did you make of it? At first, you know, Twitter was was going off. They were not happy with the decision to use Tyler Rogers and Jake McGee with a four-run lead. And then the next night, it, when it blows up in Kapler's face, uh, the it, it wasn't exactly hindsight as 2020. It was foresight as 2020. Uh, at the same time, it it is important that it was a uh, one-run lead when Tyler Rogers started warming up on Friday night. And once he was up... Uh, that's basically an appearance. You know, it's it's not quite an appearance. It's not as stressful as an appearance, but you have to consider that as a part of his workload. And he might have been unavailable. Uh, if you sit him down, he might have been unavailable or less effective on Saturday night anyway. So Tyler Rogers not coming in um, or coming into Friday night and then not coming in on Saturday night. I get that. I think McGee was just, I, I think that was a little, you know, screwy. I think that was just uh, maybe not as thought out as, as it could have been. At the same time, not having McGee wasn't the reason the Giants lost on Saturday night. So, you know, we're making hash out of all this. It, curious decisions at the same time, you know, I can make an argument for Rodgers, less so for McGee, but, you know, hey, three out of four. Yeah, and a few other things. I mean, Harleen Garcia went on the injured list after you know, later on in the weekend, so he wouldn't have been probably available on Friday. And maybe McGee wanted to work on something. Maybe he, he said, hey, I'd like to get an inning that's in a little less stressful situation uh, so I can, you know, work on something specific or test out something that doesn't feel quite right. Or I, who knows? You know, there, there, there could be a lot of reasons for it. Um, and I think that, you know, it's Gabe Kapler. And no matter how, how good the Giants are, 
performing or how far above 500 they go, there are going to be people who are going to be kind of conditioned to do the Leonardo DiCaprio point at the TV thing. You know, <laughs> anytime that there's a bullpen uh, uh, decision that they don't like. And, you know, it's it's a long season. You're going to make decisions that you think make sense, uh, both in the context of the immediacy of a game and, and also just, you know, how the schedule plots out over the next week and what someone's workload is. And and it's not always going to match up for what, you know, is going to be ideal for the next day. And that that's part of managing a long season. Um, I, I think that Gabe Kapler has earned the benefit of the doubt a little bit, which, I mean, frankly, I, I'm not sure if I could have said that when he first came on as Giants manager. So he's probably already won, I think, a little little of that benefit of the doubt. And, um, you know, that's I think that's important for a manager to have because you know when 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 fans start uh, really losing faith that a manager is making the best decisions that can even reverse engineer itself in, into the clubhouse and seed doubt there I, I've seen it happen uh, oddly enough so um, you know I, I think that it's a uh, it's interesting to note um, but um, you know I think like you said it's not something to let your let your uh, your torches and pull out your pitchforks about. Yeah, it's I, I wrote about this, I think, last year when it came, when the Giants bullpen started pitching well and it seemed like, you know, Kapler was pushing all the right buttons. It reminded me of that joke where, you know, if you sleep with one goat, what do they call you? You know, it's they, I built that fence. They don't call me Tommy the fence builder. I, I built this bar. I, you know, they don't call me Tommy <laughs> the bar builder, but you sleep with one goat. You know, obviously the real joke is a little bit more dirty than that. But like if you screw up the bullpen right when you get to a team, you're known for screwing up a bullpen. No matter what you do for the rest of the season, you just push all the right buttons for the rest of the season. And then the next year you come in and guess what? You're the guy that screwed up the bullpen in that first month of, of the previous season too. Like it's a hard thing to shed, a hard reputation to shed. Yes, yes, yes. I'm not sure where to go after that. I, I will just say that, um, yeah. <laughs> all right. Well, we will be back on Thursday. Uh, the Giants are going to host the Rockies. The Rockies yesterday were in Colorado. Today they're in San Francisco. Historically, that's not good for them. They There is a little bit of a Coors hangover effect. It's documented. It's statistical. Uh, they are 39 and 63 in the first uh, series of a road trip uh, at, at Oracle Park. Uh, it, it, it should be rough, but the Giants need to win these because they have a couple series in Colorado uh, in September. So you got to put these ones in the bank. When the series ends, one team will be the hero and the other will be the GOAT. There we go. That is a we, we brought it back around. All right. This has been episode 127 of the Bags and Brisby podcast. We will be back on Thursday to talk about how the Giants did against the Rockies. So far, so good, and we will see you on Thursday. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. 
Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. 